when love leads. An amazing atmosphere wherever love is is felt and expressed. A passage of scriptures, Andy, if we could please, in Revelations nineteen, six and nine. One of the goals that the Apostle Paul understood was in his was his was not just to get people saved, but get them ready for being the bride. I won't go any deeper than that on that one, because you get confused, and I will too. (laughs) And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunder, and say, "Hallelujah." For the Lord our God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is Love. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I ask for his help this moment and this time. And we thank you that he is an abiding presence in us. Give us the grace now, the grace of your word, and we pray in Jesus' name. We mentioned last week how that the voices of Scripture come to us and, and sometimes that voice seems to carry the, the uh, voice of the Father to His children. And then there are times that it moves and as our case is now is that It's the voice of the bridegroom to the bride. And last week we went through some of those words from the bridegroom. Both in that which he spoke and then also uh, the, the, the settings from which he spoke. That gave us a picture and we discovered the proposal of the bridegroom. And then we also learned the promise of the bridegroom from the settings from which he spoke. And it says that she has made herself ready. So thinking 
from the standpoint of the bridegroom and the bride, the bride and the bridegroom. More difficult for men, easier for women, because they have walked the road of being a bride. And yet, on the other hand, it's probably more difficult for the women to correlate with the bridegroom concept. But in this, it is either male nor female, it is the bride, the bridegroom. And so my first point is, you are preparing for a marriage, not just a wedding. A marriage, not just a wedding. Today you are fully engaged, engaged in your heart and your mind. Building relationship. The thought that needs to go into it as you prepare for the life that is to follow with your bridegroom. It says when God made Eve for Adam, he was going to make one like unto himself. One to be his helpmate. One to be in life with. That carries through. So the question was asked me, can you tell us a little bit of something about bridal preparation. So I go back in the scriptures and I discover that Mount Sinai, God established a covenant with his people. Moses climbed that great mountain and there he received that covenant law. And Jesus came to fulfill that and He promised us that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the pledge and the promise of the things that are are to come. And then, it's like Moses went up to the Mount Sinai, Jesus went to a mountain, a mountain around Capernaum. And there he gave covenant guidelines for the relationship. for the work, for the preparation. Number one, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We discover relationship with God. We discover the practice of righteousness and the single-mindedness of devotion. He begins to talk to them about the blessing of living the way of Jesus. I like what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2, therefore. He says, therefore, as the chosen of God, holy. 
holy and dearly loved. That gives you an idea who it is. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I mean, that sounds a lot like the bridegroom. In those passages of Scripture is an invitation for her to partake in a lifestyle of the king, of the bridegroom, of the kingdom. We discover eight attitudes that conduct and run our lives. A life that's saturated with an indestructible life of the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it's important as we prepare for the marriage that we look at the eight attitudes. And then, also that we, we remember our identity. That we have an influence, we have a role. We're salt and light. As we are preparing for the marriage. He says there's six things that kingdom living brings to you. Seven, excuse me. First of all, there's salvation. Salvation. We all rejoice in that. Number two, you get a personal assistant. Blessed are those that Mourn, for they shall be comforted. One of the first roles of the Holy Spirit is the role of comforter. And number third, the third thing that he says that there is, there is earth ownership. In other words, you have a place of dominion. You have a place that God has given to you for influence. A place where you multiply your work. This passage of scripture, the meek shall inherit the earth, is found in Psalms 37, verse 11. The meek shall possess the land and delight themselves in the abundant prosperity. He also says that there is a right appetite to have. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's a nature that she has, and that's one of compassion. She will also have revelations. Revelations. 
And then an amazing title that you call the sons of God. Those on the mount guidelines for living with the bride as she prepares for the bridegroom. With that in mind, I want to talk about love. In developing a God-shaped heart, And that as we study the scriptures and the words of God, we discover that there is a there is a trademark, a logo that believers are supposed to have. There is a logo that is an the, the ultimate thing between the bride and the bridegroom. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. What does a logo or a trademark do? It identifies a product's origin and ownership. The product and the ownership. By this shall all men know that you are my. The identity. What a powerful thing, you know what I mean? Seriously, he, he says all men will eventually get the message and the connection. A trademark highlights the values and distinctiveness. A trademark transmits a message dealing with the genuineness and the quality. It's not just a nice feeling. A trademark's purpose is to inspire confidence that they or the receivers are getting the real thing. And God's trademark is so wonderfully brilliant. It's so uncomplicated that a child can understand it. And yet it's so amazing that adults can emulate it. As believers, God has chosen you and I to bear his divine logo. 
for the world that he sets us in. There are people that don't know you. You are not responsible for the logo to them. But the people that surround your life, that, you know, have a part and a connection in your life, you and I, all of a sudden, become that logo or trademark of a product. Jesus Christ. The love that he's had for us that we'll have for one another so they can be convinced of the product and the realness of it. Love. This trademark, this logo, is to be demonstrated through our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Now notice, let's go to Revelations, to the dress that she has on. And she has the fine linen And that fine linen is the righteous acts of the bride. (coughs) The dress. In the sense of the word, we are displaying that wedding garment on a regular basis. It's part of our attire. It's part of our promotion. It's part of our logo. Going to the Sermon on the Mount, as he moves on from the attitudes and begins to put us into the fields, teaches us how to handle anger. Teaches us how to handle, you know, opposition and persecution and their enemies. A love. We are traveling through life and we're to travel through life with this trademark, this logo. You ever heard the phrase said by someone about someone? My, they're such a loving person. What did they do? How is it that they got that logo? They read that trademark. And so in Colossians, when Paul said, you know what I mean? Compassion, mercy, and kindness, and gentleness, and patience.
1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about when love is our motivation. And he goes on to tell us what, how our life is conducted when our love is our motivation. When love is our motivation, we're, we're kind. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. See, love never fails, but sometimes loving fails. What are you known by? What am I known by? Well, I've heard a couple times that people said thought I was pretty loving. I hope so. Hope I'm not too hard. I mean, you know, I think that I, you know, we'll get to where that love is just not a complacent thing here. But you know what I mean? I mean, love is—it really isn't hard. Did you know that all power has to be tempered by love? God, who has all power in heaven and earth, it is tempered by love. The role that you play, the power that you have in your life. The authority that you have been given. And of course, Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 brings it right down to husbands and wives, you know, and says, boy, husbands, you need to temper your authority. Love. So, in scriptures, there's a lot of emphasis on how much God loves us. But also, there is a lot of emphasis on how is your love doing for him. Love. I have so many notes, so, so bear with me. There's something amazing when love walks in. Now by the faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these, of course, is love. Why is love greater than faith and hope? Not trying to cover all of the reasons, but at least a reason. And that is, faith and hope are internal qualities. Love is external and tangible. No greater love has man than to lay down his Life.
If you say your brother have need and have means by which to, you know, offset that and don't do it, how dwells the love of God in you, that tangible part? For God so loved the world that he gave. There will always be giving when you're loving. I'm going to give the Lord a praise to help me out here. (laughs) There'll always be giving when you're loving. Because it's the nature of love and it is the expression that there is such a thing as love. So love for each other, he says, is the badge of Christianity. I think Christianity as a whole can do better. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't all have to be on the same page doctrinally, but we sure can all be on the same page on what love is. Love is not weak. You know, when love moves in and meets fear, that aliveness that fear has suppressed all of a sudden bursts out. This perfect love casts out fear. Love is not passive, it's positive. There are three things from the story of, from Ruth. Not only these three things, but three things I want to bring to you this morning that, 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 that happens in love. Number one, love clings. It says that Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. It says that Jesus loved them to the end. (laughs) When they walked away, when they said, I don't know him, his love remained the same. I want to be touched by that. Love clings. Love consecrates. Jesus said, for their sake, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified through the truth. Lifestyle in your living is not purely just for your record. It's to help someone else. 
Your sanctification and the way you live your life is not just so you have a good, clean life. It's so you can show others, you know what I mean, and help in their setting apart of their life. Because love is not selfish. Love has an amazing motivation. One of the benefits of of love in your life and my life, it is probably the best builder of your immune system that there is. Love. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It really makes you feel good. Am I making sense? Love concentrate, consecrates. She said, your God will be my God and your people will be my people. How many know that when you marry, you don't just get one person, you get a family? I mean, not the result of marriage, but just because of marriage, you get a family. I can't go too deep with this, but... (laughs) You got to get acquainted with the bridegroom's family. The bridegroom's got a family. And so, in preparation for the marriage, you need to get acquainted with the Hallelujah. Not just your God, but your family. And so John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 is really a family message. Then love commits. Love commits. She said, Where you die, I will die. No greater love has man than to lay down his life for a friend. He just saying I do it for a friend. Now, he did it for us while we were yet sinners, but we can just reach 
you know, dying for friendships. <laughs> I'm not talking about getting you saved. I'm talking about a bride suitable for him. Suitable for him. I gotta move along and ask my musicians to come here. Let me talk about quickly here love and doctrine. See, doctrine really is the words of the bridegroom. Love and the word are not at odds with each other. Nor are they separate. The fact is, sound doctrine results in great love. And these two hang all along the prophets. Love is first. But it doesn't hang alone. A lot of people don't like that kind of love. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Shows us that doctrine and love are not enemies. Now the purpose of the commandment is love. From a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Doctrine connects love to our hearts. How many know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son is a doctrine? Essential for true love to <clears throat> Doctor says you can only have one true love. How many are glad that as a wife or a husband that you've only got really one true love that is in the relationship of on that realm of relationship? Love is broad, love is reaches, you know what I mean? Love has many relationships. So we're not talking about those relationships this morning. We're talking about the relationship of the bridegroom and the, and the bride. Bridegroom and the bride. Love. That trademark, that, that 
logos. Stand with me, i just getting started, but that's okay. This is about love, but yet it's really talks about the home. And if I could just close this morning's out with the home. Parents are powerful leaders in their children's lives. Parents are powerful leaders in their children's lives. Let me say it again. Parents are powerful leaders in children's lives. J.R. Miller in 1894 wrote this, Home and Love. A true home is a resting place to which at close of day the weary retire to gather new strength for the battle and tasks of tomorrow. I think it was a week or so ago I had the Option and the honor of bringing my grandkids home with me, and they had made a decision that they're going to come home with me and spend the weekend for Sunday. And then, about the time of separation, the youngest one says, "Little tears started to go down his cheeks." I would like to go, Grandpa, but I can't leave Mama. <laughs> now, it wasn't because there was any negative. I mean, you know what I mean? And I didn't try to bribe him because, you know what I mean? I could have done that. But I didn't do that because I knew how important that, that heart of his and how it was feeling at, at that time, that safety, that security. It's a place where we learn lessons of love, where life is schooled in discipline and strength and where character is molded. I'm so grateful for my mom and dad. Far more than we know to do, the strength and the beauty of our lives depend upon the home we dwell in. This was 1894. He who goes forth in the morning from a happy, loving, prayerful home into the world's strife, temptation and duty is strong and inspired for noble and victorious living. Because the hands and the lives have found the strength that love imparts. Aside from the world, 
which is a real thing, a real adult world. We ought to prepare our kids for a real world. In home, in parents. is a platform and a ripe opportunity. You just... You can be firm in your convictions and steadfast in your beliefs but all power must be tempered by love. Tempered by love. Amen? Hallelujah. That'll only be five dollars. Stand at the door, Wayne, and collect as they go out. You know, be, <laughs> that wasn't bride preparation. <laughs> oh, hallelujah! I don't know if we got a song, but Mark's got a song. Okay, he's in love. <laughs> he leaves Friday to go see his love, and because uh, of the distance, but you know. You really can't explain love. You can't define it. And you can't contain it. I mean, you know, but yet it's just so real. It can be so felt and so realized. I go to prepare a place. That's the bridegroom. My father's got a lot of places in his home, but I'm going to go make one, especially for you. Father, we thank you this morning that we love you because you first loved us. And we want to emulate your love. We want to bear this trademark, this logo, God, for you in such a way that those that we come in contact with and those that we have association with and those that are in the workplace, Father, will notice that logo. They will notice that trademark. Father, the love of God having been shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that today and we bless you for its improvement in our lives, God, as we submit to the will of the Holy Spirit. God bless this week, oh Lord, with a new and improved (laughs) love of God in our hearts. In Jesus' name, you dismiss. God bless you. God love you.